You're listening to episode 51 of the Becoming Aligned podcast. Welcome to Becoming Aligned, where we'll step away from the busyness of our days to explore what it looks and feels like to create meaningful lives that align with our personal values. My guests have found their own unique way to navigate through the distractions, the pressures, and the expectations of everyday life. And in the process, they have discovered the freedom to be truly themselves, to tune into their own heart, and to honor their own unique voice. I'll explore what motivates them, what challenges them, and what strategies help them work towards their goal in a way that nourishes their mind and body. I believe everyone has a story to share, and that we become a stronger community when we're able to listen and learn from those around us. I'm your host, Maureen Ryan, the founder of Ryan Wellness, I'm a Chicago-based self-discovery mentor and Pilates instructor. I hope these conversations will serve as inspiration and as a reminder that it's not about perfection, but the process of becoming aligned. Hi, everyone. I am popping in here for another solo episode. I hope you are doing well and finding ways to care for your body, mind, and heart. I hope you're allowing yourself time to feel your feelings, allowing yourself time to recognize and acknowledge your feelings without judgment, without feeling like you need to edit yourself or explain yourself or rationalize why you feel the way you do, but just allowing yourself to be, allowing yourself to feel. And this is not necessarily for you to be able to express those feelings to others and for you to be able to take action. That may be part of what you do eventually, but this first step of you naming and acknowledging your feelings is for you and for your own well-being. Those feelings connect you to your heart, to your humanity. It's so important that we don't bottle them up. If we can have the courage to feel those feelings and trust ourselves just enough to be in relationship with those feelings, we can begin to be curious and explore what information those feelings hold for us. That can help us better determine and understand our needs and our values. But this is easier said than done. As I've mentioned before in this podcast, We're not conditioned to feel our feelings. We're conditioned to view them as a sign of weakness, as something that gets in the way of success. And I think it's important to question and explore what is shaping our ideas and our ideals of success. Where does that narrative come from? Who is telling that story? And does it fit who you are and who you are becoming? What does success or a good life feel like and look like for you? I'd love to invite you to take a minute to think about that. What does a good life look like and feel like for you? Where are you? How are you spending your time? Who are you with? Like, Who are the people that you're surrounded with? What's the pace of your life look and feel like? like just allow yourself to imagine that. No editing, no judgment. And just take snapshots of the different aspects of your life. And maybe pause and write those down. I'd also like for you to consider what are the lives like for those around you 
and in your community. Does that play into how you define success or a good life? Hit pause. It's like, seriously, I know this is a podcast, (laughs) but I'm encouraging you to hit pause and take a few minutes to journal. Just see what comes up for you. See what bubbles to the surface. I know it might be a strange request from a podcast host, but if you have time right now, hit pause. I will be here when you're done. And I'm just going to assume that you maybe hit pause and are coming back. But either way, I'll continue on. As long as your basic needs are met, I think most, and maybe I'm being a bit presumptuous. So let me know if you disagree. I think most of us would say that a good life consists of trusting, loving, supportive, and authentic relationships. Relationships where you can truly show up for each other in good times, bad, and everything in between. Those might be one-on-one relationships, but that can also expand to include a community where you feel seen, heard, and respected by those around you. Like just even thinking about those types of spaces makes me feel good inside. And just knowing that there's a possibility of those existing. You know, in one of my first podcast episodes, I chatted with my dear friend, Dafina, and she says something that I think is so true. When people are authentic, you share things in a different way. And you become close in a different way than when you're feeling that you need to be someone that you're not. And I find this to be so true. But so often, we're trying to be what we've been conditioned to believe that we're supposed to be. And for those of us who are nurturing, driven people, many of us believe that we need to be perfect, that we need to have it all together all the time, that we need to know the answer and be prepared for whatever might come our way, that there's no space for not knowing yet or for reaching out for support. And we also often feel that we need to make the people around us feel comfortable, that their comfort and their needs are more important than ours. And these are, those are like the messages that we often receive, the shoulds and the expectations that we begin to internalize over time. And rather than questioning the validity and the source of that narrative, we tend to question ourselves and feel that there must be something wrong with us when we don't live up to or meet what can be unrealistic expectations. You know, when we're making choices that align with the shoulds and expectations, rather than our own truth, feelings, and values, we might find ourselves wearing the armor of perfectionism and people-pleasing. And this is so understandable. So many of us wear the armor of people-pleasing and perfectionism in order to protect us from the judgment of others. We want to belong. We want to be liked. We want to find those communities that we feel supported in. And we want to fit in. And we hope this armor will hide or at least cover up the aspects of ourselves that make us feel less than. Those aspects of ourselves that we have been taught to believe don't measure up and are not good enough. What we don't always realize, though, is that the armor of perfectionism and people-pleasing also creates a barrier to feeling our true feelings. 
We can become disconnected from our feelings because our thoughts and our ideas about how we're supposed to think, how we're supposed to feel, what we're supposed to believe kind of take over. Our thoughts and our ideals about who we are or who we're supposed to be can prevent us from actually feeling our true deep feelings. I should be over this already. I'm being too sensitive. I just need to toughen up. I am so fortunate that I don't deserve or have a right to be upset. You know, that kind of soundtrack in our head. Or we spend our time rationalizing, justifying, strategizing, and responding to others and maybe even ourselves with what about this or what about that to every challenging topic or issue that arises. And then the process of saying in those thoughts, we stay as far away from our feelings and the feelings of others as possible. When the shoulds and expectations hijack our feelings, it prevents us from deeply acknowledging our own needs and making choices that align with our values. And if you're anything like me, you may have no idea you're doing this. I know that was me a few years back. I never thought of myself as a people pleaser, even though I spent many years of my life making choices that I thought would make other people happy. I was a total people pleaser, but I didn't even realize it. I had been living that way for so long that it felt normal. I was just being a nice person. But why is being a nice person or a good person exhausting? <laughs> it, it doesn't have to be that way. You know, there was so much strategizing that took place in my head. It was like playing a game of chess, trying to figure out the right thing to do or the right thing to say, trying to make sure the people around me felt comfortable. I also never thought of myself as a perfectionist because I was so far from being perfect. You know, and I was also willing to put myself out there and challenge myself and fail in certain areas of my life. But in other areas of my life, I was afraid to be seen as my full self. I didn't speak up about certain topics or issues. You know, I didn't know everything and I hadn't done all of the research. You know, or I was afraid to put myself out there in certain situations, especially when it came to dating and relationships. Because when it came down to it, I was afraid of rejection. But the story I told myself was that I was too busy for dating or that I had other priorities or there was some other reason. You know, even though when it, when it boiled down to it for me personally, I really wanted that type of companionship. But I could hijack my feelings and stick, get stuck in my thoughts and rationalize and justify and what about this or what about that? And you know, I hate to say make excuses because I was really doing that with the intention of trying to keep myself safe. It makes so much sense that we wear this armor. We're just trying to protect ourselves. So I share this not to make anyone feel bad. If you resonate with what I'm saying, I hope you'll have some compassion for yourself and know that you are not alone and that things can change. You know, in my opinion, compassion, self-compassion is truly the key to creating shifts in our life. It's really, really powerful. And going back to what my friend Dafina said about authentic relationships, if we're wearing this armor of perfectionism, 
and showing up in the ways that we think we should, we create this barrier to authentic relationships. But when we're showing up from a space that is deeply connected to our heart, when we're aware and in touch with our feelings, it not only helps us better understand our needs, it also helps us better understand our values. And then we can make choices that align to those values and show up to our relationships in authentic ways. You know, you are not your thoughts, you are not your feelings, but those feelings provide you with such useful information. In the book, Permission to Feel, which I'll link to in the show notes, the author shares that anger is a sign that you feel a sense of injustice, which makes so much sense, right? It's interesting though, because I think anger is definitely one of those feelings that is deemed unacceptable or inappropriate for most people to feel or express. Yet allowing yourself to acknowledge your feelings of anger can help you work towards justice. Being able to stay with your feelings long enough to be able to identify and name them is powerful because it can help you understand what you need to move through that or how you can harness that feeling to take action in a way that aligns with your values. And sometimes it can be blurry. Sometimes a variety of feelings show up. Allowing yourself to stay with it and approach your feelings with a sense of curiosity can help you discover some clarity. For example, you might feel a sense of anger at first. I feel like that's often my code too. Like I feel the anger at first. But after allowing yourself to name and acknowledge that anger, you begin to move through it and discover feelings of, you know, discover some other feelings, maybe like disappointment. And disappointment can be a sign of an unmet need. And that just gives you more information. And that can help you make choices to meet that need. But let's be real. You may not be able to get all that information in one moment. Sometimes you have to step away and come back to it. But the naming and identifying piece is really, really helpful. It creates a level of awareness that will help you to process over a period of time. And the idea of sitting with your feelings (laughs) may not sound so appealing. It may feel really awkward. I know for myself, I was so disconnected from my feelings that when I first started practicing this, I didn't know what I was feeling unless it was a really strong emotion, you know, like anger, you know, like an in-your-face kind of an emotion. Like I could identify those, but the more nuanced ones, I had kind of a harder time figuring out. I had to develop a relationship with my feelings and that took time and practice. And to be perfectly honest, I am the type of person who likes to move slowly in relationships. (laughs) There can be a long getting to know you process. Just ask my partner, Cliff. (laughs) We were friends for over a year before we started dating. I say that so you know that this is a process and it takes time. I find there are always new layers to explore, which keep things interesting. And this is an aspect of restorative care that I find so helpful. It creates space to be in relationship with your feelings. And while it's wonderful to be able to sit with our feelings, some of us are just beginning to build a relationship with our feelings. We're just getting reacquainted. And it might be a little too soon to sit and stare into each other's eyes. 
we may have to introduce ourselves, get to know each other a little bit better, maybe go for a walk and move together, not to train for anything, but just to spend time with one another. Maybe we draw and create together, listen to music together, rest together, be in gratitude together, and connect with others together. When you cultivate a relationship with your feelings, you're creating an environment where your feelings can feel safe enough to show up and be seen. They begin to know that they will be recognized and acknowledged in a compassionate way rather than a judgmental way. Restorative care allows us to peel away the mask of perfectionism and people-pleasing that so many of us wear, and in doing so, connect to our humanity. The definition of play is doing something without a purpose. But I think that play connects us to our humanity because it helps us connect with our feelings. It allows us to be in that same space together. We may not be staring into each other's eyes, but we're sharing the experience together and we're growing more comfortable with one another. Restorative care is rooted in the spirit of curiosity and play. And the purpose is to create space for exploration and connection. It can seem like these things are done without a purpose because these are things that are not always measurable. But that's honestly the point. In a world where everything seems to have to have a purpose or a reason, and hobbies turn into side gigs, I think it's essential to carve out a little space for relationships. In particular, a relationship with yourself and your heart. And I'm pretty sure that if you think back to any of your most valued relationships, they emerged organically. We tended to them, but we didn't track and collect data on how they were developing and check in to see if they were on track to meet specific SMART goals. You know, I find that for me, Writing is a form of restorative care because it cracks me open in a way where my feelings and emotions can come through the pen or or just the act of typing. It allows me to discover what is really on my mind. I sometimes don't fully realize what, what that is until I allow myself to sit down and start writing. And writing without judgment or editing, just letting the words pour out of me. That same thing can happen through other forms of restorative care, movement, play and creativity, rest and recovery, gratitude and connection. It's that dance and relationship that we're cultivating with our feelings. And even though I create space for restorative care in my life, I still catch myself bottling up my emotions as a way to protect myself. You know, there's been so much going on in the world that it can be a lot to process. It can be a lot to feel, a lot to take in. And I find that personally, I have to manage how much I take in so that I don't numb myself in order to protect myself. You know, I've shared before that I don't watch the news. I don't have cable or actually even have a TV anymore. Um, I consume my news through radio, podcasts, newspaper, and magazine articles. I'm, I'm definitely a sensitive person. And I find the visuals and the videos add another layer of intensity for me. And the repetition of those stories over and over and over again can be very difficult. I want to be informed so that I can make choices and take action on issues that align with my values. And in order to do that, I have to manage the amount I consume and consider the ways I take that information in. But even so, 
I was almost caught off guard by the, the tears that seeped out of the corner of my eyes when I heard the news of the, of the verdict of the Derek Chauvin trial. They weren't happy tears or, or tears of relief. They were tears for all that had transpired and all that continues to transpire. I had almost subconsciously prepared myself to expect that the verdict would be the same as usual. I was expecting that there would be no accountability or very little. And when there is no accountability and you see that the safety and well-being of people in your community are at risk, it takes a toll. And while this toll is felt more acutely by the black and brown community and by anyone that is marginalized, it takes a toll on all of us. As a white person, we are taught that we have to be willing to give up our power to change things. The attention is placed on what we'll have to sacrifice to create change in our society. And I understand this notion and also recognize that we as human beings are loss averse. So I can't help but wonder who started this narrative. Can they not recognize that we sacrifice to maintain the status quo? This sacrifice cannot be compared to what marginalized communities have experienced, but it exists and is destroying us from the inside out. Maybe it's not measurable in the same way that property ownership or wealth is, but it's impactful. We've sacrificed peace and joy. We've sacrificed connection, community, and trust. We're sacrificing our environment. And we've sacrificed our feelings and our humanity. We've chosen to buy into the narrative of division, of winners, of losers, of takers and givers, of an all or nothing mindset. And I know these issues have many, many layers. We can talk about them, read books, have discussions. But as I mentioned earlier, change so often starts with compassion. And that begins with compassion towards ourselves. As we learn how to cultivate a compassionate relationship with our feelings, we can learn to navigate the shoulds and the expectations and begin to make choices that deeply align with our values that will allow us to authentically show up in our relationships and in doing so, help make the world a better place. We can continue to spend our time proving our value and our worth. We can keep putting on this mask of perfectionism and people-pleasing, but at what cost? Or we can begin to question these narratives. We can begin to cultivate a relationship with our feelings and foster a sense of curiosity. We can connect to our humanity and maybe that will allow us to connect to the humanity that exists within others. And in doing so, maybe we can break the shackles that keep us attached to the shoulds and the way things are supposed to be so that we can begin to imagine a better way, a different way that we can work towards together as we redefine what success and a good life looks and feels like for everyone. Thank you for listening. I had another episode planned for this week, but as I wrote, I realized, um, that this was one of those weeks to be with my feelings and just see where they guided me. And this is what came forward. Um, and I wanted to share that with all of you. So thank you for allowing me the space to do so. I hope this resonated with you or, or maybe shifted your perspective in a new way. 
If it did, please let me know or or share with a friend. And if you made it this far, I hope you'll take some time for restorative care in your life. If you want to learn more about restorative care, I kind of briefly mentioned some aspects of it in this episode. Um, But I talk about it more in the March 28th episode titled Reimagine, Recalibrate, and Renew Your Relationship with Care. I will be talking more about this and and have some exciting news to share with you in a couple of weeks about ways we can practice restorative care together. So please stay tuned for that. And if you haven't already, please consider signing up for the Becoming Aligned newsletter. It's an email that I send out every other Sunday and it's crafted with love and includes inspiration, restorative care, and an invitation to journal. And I really just truly hope that it'll help you hit pause and allow you to feel centered and grounded as you prepare for the week ahead. Thank you again for taking the time to to listen today. I am wishing you all the best and sending you lots of love. Take care. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Becoming Aligned. If you haven't already, please subscribe to Becoming Aligned and rate and review this podcast. I'm Maureen Ryan, and I hope you'll join us next time. Take care.